0: Today we're going to tackle and bust the myth of compatibility. This is HiFam. I'm Avital. Welcome my friends, today we're going to be talking about one of the subjects that I feel most passionate about, which is the mindsets that are necessary in order to maintain, create, build a meaningful marriage, a long-lasting, lifelong romance of epic proportions, a relationship that is satisfying, meaningful, consistent, predictable in the best kind of ways and reliable and something that can be a rock for you, a foundational relationship, a relationship that brings you great joy and meaning and satisfaction and support, friendship, camaraderie, a lifelong partner, romance, passion, desire, all of those good things, all of the things that I think all of us want from our long-term relationship. One of the things I'm fascinated by is seeing the advice that young people in particular are getting today from massive influencers with huge followings around what they should be looking for in a partner and what they should care about and focus on in relationships. The relationship advice industry is a catastrophe. (laughs) Let me just say it plain and simple. Almost every time I tune in to a video that's going to teach me about how to save my relationship or what I should care about in a relationship or anything to do with marriages and romance, I always walk away scratching my head and wondering how on earth is this advice going to set people up for success I want to give you an example from Mel Robbins, who I like and admire, and I've, you know, I've gained a lot from some of her teachings and coaching, but just listen to this message. And then I want to take a moment to break it down. Not because, you know, I want to throw shade at Mel, but because I think it's really important to understand this video here has uh, 43.8 thousand shares, 209 thousand likes. It's getting a lot of attention
1: But listen to the message, all right? Oh my God, I see so many of you making this huge, huge mistake in relationships. What you need in order for a relationship to work is compatibility. Compatibility is about your energy matching. It's about your needs matching. It's about you being in a place in your life where it is compatible with where the person that you want to be in a relationship is in in their life. If you're not compatible, there will be stress, there will be manipulation, there will be upset, and there will be a breakup. Period. So stop trying to change yourself in order to make someone like you. It doesn't work that way. This isn't personal. It's about you being with somebody that fits where you are. Maybe you're too deep, and they just can't go deep. Maybe you want something more serious, and they're not in a place where they want that. Maybe you have more to give and they don't. When you understand that compatibility is more important than chemistry, you understand the secret to a healthy relationship.
0: All right. So Mel's message here is when you understand that compatibility is more important than chemistry, then you will have success in your relationships. And she says it's nothing personal. It's just that you're not the right person match. This is a message that I hear again and again. The idea that when you find that magic compatible person, when you find the person who's just the right match, who has the same energy as you, who wants the same things out of life as you, who has the same needs, who is as deep as you, who has the same type of desires as you, then you will have a happy and meaningful relationship. And to me, this is totally putting the cart before the horse and flipping the entire paradigm around and also offering a really vague, ambiguous, you know, untenable, honestly, action plan for any of us. (laughs) Just reading through the comments on this post, I see so many people miffed and confused saying, well, okay, I've been in a 30-year relationship and now I just realized that we're not compatible. That was the problem to begin with. Oh no, what should I do? Why is this such a head-scratcher to me? And why do I so clearly see that this is terrible advice? Sorry, Mel. (laughs) And this is exactly the type of thing that we need to steer clear from. So look, I'm talking to you if you are in a relationship or want to be in a relationship and you hear this type of thing. And I want to kind of train your eyes and ears to pick up on the inconsistencies on the unrealistic uh, and just, you know, plain you know, unworthy advice that is going to get you nowhere really fast. And what I'm going to do here is really break it down for you. What is the mindset behind this advice and why is it so deeply flawed? Well, first of all, let me just say from my own personal experience, let me share my bias here, which is that when I first met my husband 17 years ago, uh, there were quite a few people who thought that we were incompatible. In fact, they told us so, or they told him so. A few people told him, you know, she's the wrong girl for you. I wouldn't go out with her. That's not the right choice. Uh, You guys are not a good match. And I have to tell you something. They were not wrong. Uh, My husband and I are not, quote unquote, compatible on paper. We come from pretty different backgrounds. Uh, We come from pretty different religious vibes. Uh, We are not the same age. We did not necessarily want the exact same things out of life, out of a relationship. Uh, We have very different temperaments and personalities. And in fact, even in the years since then, when we've done like Jordan Peterson's Couples Personality Test, which is really cool and really in-depth and I highly recommend it, uh, we have found that we are incompatible on many different categories, that we just don't have similar personalities. And so... First and foremost, I say this as someone who has been very happily married to a man that I'm completely incompatible with, according to quite a few people and quite a few personality tests. And I say this because, of course, on the face of it, compatibility is key, right? What is the definition of compatibility? Well, compatibility just means two things that are able to exist together without conflict, right? Two things that can fit together and work together. And if you just take it on the face of it, just the pure definition, then yes, everybody needs compatibility in a relationship. Everybody needs to be two people who can get along together without conflict. But as in Mel's case and many other influencers, what they're talking about when they say compatibility is not just being able to exist together without conflict. With that definition, I would have no issue. What they're talking about is, as she explained, matching matching your energies, matching your needs, matching your desires. And even in her case, she said matching your level of depth or your level of commitment or your level of interest in each other or your level of desire. Now, this idea that you could find this compatibility sounds to me like a unicorn, sounds to me uh, like an unrealistic Idea And look, maybe that's not true. Maybe a few people out there have just found their perfect match where they just really feel like they match. Their personalities match, their desires match, their energies match. And not only do they match in the moment that they meet and fall in love, but that they continue to somehow be in sync and in step with each other, like two puzzle pieces that just fit together, right? They just click together a lock that has found its key. They are compatible, right? right? To me, this sounds like that Hollywood ro- Hollywood romance or gromance, as I call it, because it's that myth of growth. And if you haven't heard my podcast episode on that, then go back and listen to that as well. But it's, again, this idea that we should be able to receive something from our partner that is almost um, m- magical and mythical, right? Almost legendary, this epic idea that there's just this this person out there that fits us like a glove. And if we are having conflict in our relationship, as Mel says, then the the, the, the advice is not to work on ourselves. You shouldn't work on yourself or change yourself to make somebody like you, she says. No, 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 no. It just means that the wrong person for you and you should keep searching. Now, what is uh, missing and absent in Mel's advice is any context to this, right? It doesn't matter in her mind if you have been married for thirty years. It doesn't matter if you have had children, and there are uh, there are other people to consider. It doesn't matter if your marriage or breaking apart your union affects other people in your life. No, what matters is compatibility. You're not an energetic match, as vague and un- you know and ambiguous and undefined as that may be. It's enough in. Her mind, and in this line of a device to say, you know, you should walk away because compatibility is the key thing. I find this to be so twisted and so dark, really, because we are offering people a roadmap that is clearly a dead end. I know many very happy, healthy. Uh, satisfied couples. I'm really lucky in this regard in that I am part of a culture that is uh, very strong on very strong marriages, on strong relationships. So I've seen that in my parents. I've seen that in my five older siblings. I've seen that in my siblings-in-law. I've seen that in many many of my close friends. And I'm actually up close and personal with a lot of marriages. So I actually really do know the inner workings because I'm really close to these people and they share the inner workings with me. They share their ups and downs. They share uh, their breaking points, their frustrations, their, um, you know, epic wins. And so I've seen realistic, real-life marriages and what they can be, and I've seen them over the course of my lifetime, right? I know couples who have been married my entire life, like my parents, uh, and couples who have been married for most of my life, like my older siblings, for example. And so I really do see what a healthy marriage can look like. And I know that that's a huge privilege uh, that many people don't have. Many people are not privy to seeing the inner workings of a long-term relationship that is healthy, that is generous, that is satisfying, fulfilling, passionate. Passionate, enjoyable, committed, all of those things. So I speak from a place of bias and privilege and, uh, you know, clarity on this because I've seen it. Um, but what I can tell you for sure is that I've never seen just pure straight up compatibility. This I have never seen. This I did not see in my parents, in my siblings, in my own marriage, in my friends' marriage. Uh, you know, was there a lack of conflict? No. In fact, even according to the pure definition of compatibility, that two things are able to exist or occur together without conflict, I would say that I have never seen a marriage that has held up to that standard. Marriages actually have conflict. And in fact, the fact that they have conflict is inevitable. It's necessary. It's part of the growth process. It is part of the reality of being in a relationship, in any relationship, any intimate relationship, including being a parent. And it is not a sign that you are incompatible or that your marriage is the wrong marriage or that you are with the wrong person. What a bizarre thing to tell people that if there's a sense of conflict, if you need to make any changes to yourself, if you need to moderate yourself in any way, then that's just a sign that you're not compatible and you should move on. I mean, sure, if you want to give people the advice that's going to lead them to a life of misery and loneliness, moving from one partner to the next, you know, in the hopes that they're going to find that that perfect, you know, glass slipper that's going to fit uh, like a glove, then, you know, by all means, live by that advice. But what a thing to say to people. You know, my message is actually the opposite. My message is the opposite. My message is that, sure, when you're dating, you're looking for, you know, certain matches. But I would actually say what you're looking for more than compatibility is chemistry. I think chemistry matters a lot. And I think the beginning seeds of having some chemistry, having that spark, having an attraction, having a draw to each other is a great way to jumpstart the relationship. It's a great way to get off onto that high of falling in love, and passion and lust and uh, really connecting and bonding deeply with someone. But what must outlast that, what must become then, you know, the glue that keeps you together is a cocktail of other things that aren't necessarily compatibility. Again, I'm speaking as someone who is incompatible with my partner on a temperamental level, on a religious level, on a political level, on many different levels. We've faced a lot of incompatibility over the years. But do you know what has actually made us compatible? is exactly what Mel Robbins advised against. It's that we are both willing to change ourselves, to make each other like us. In other words, I am willing to grow and change myself and develop myself in the direction that is supportive of a good relationship with my husband, in the direction that is going to make me more attractive, likable, livable with to him. I do care about that. Yes, I am willing to work on myself and to change myself. Absolutely, I am. And in fact, that's pretty much the only thing I can change and I can work on in any relationship is my own self. I think this idea that you're just going to find the right compatible person and then you don't need to change yourself is ludicrous and a recipe for disaster. The recipe should be the opposite. When you have someone that you have some chemistry with, at least initially, then you know that it's possible. From here on out, the slog begins. You've got to start working at it. You've got to start deciding to be compatible, to make yourself compatible with your spouse. And it's really interesting. There's this allergy that we have in our ultra individualistic, you know, Western society where we're very allergic to the idea of changing ourselves, of working on ourselves. We're very enamored with the idea that you're perfect the way you are. You don't need to do anything. If someone doesn't like you, that's their problem. They need to accept you. And this has infiltrated into our marriages and we've become insufferable narcissists, I think, as a result. I don't know. I grew up on the model that marriage is about compromise. It is about generosity. It is about giving. It's 100% about duty and loyalty and commitment and consistency and about love, which to me, the best definition of love is all about taking another person as part of yourself. It's taking their needs, desires, agendas, where they're at, and accepting it, tolerating it, celebrating it, and including it in your own. It's taking their temperament and interweaving it with your own, their life, right? Their beliefs, their goals, their dreams, their nightmares, and making them as part of your own. It's weaving together your destinies. It's really intertwining yourself and twisting yourself into a knot with them, not in a you know, toxic codependency, but in a healthy interdependency, in a sense of belonging. It's actually deciding that you're going to be lovers and partners and friends for the rest of your life. And that's what, you know, the classical traditional vows are always about. It's all about in sickness and in health, for richer or for poorer. It's all about this type of commitment that's supposed to last a lifetime. You know, one of the things that we do a lot in parenting, especially in peaceful parenting, is that we like to compare how we talk to our children, how we treat our children, to how we treat adults. You know, people will say things like, don't yell at a child if you wouldn't yell that way at an adult, and you wouldn't, so don't, right? It's a way of kind of saying, treat children with respect. So if you want to phrase something, and correct your child, think about how you would phrase it to a friend. Think about how you would phrase it to your partner. Think about how you would speak it to a stranger or to a neighbor. And that should help you to rephrase it in a way that is more respectful to your child. I think it's time that we start doing the opposite move, right? You know, borrowing from the rich to feed the poor, as it were, in a kind of Robin Hood psychological maneuver. Because I actually think that for some reason, our marriages or or adult relationships have been getting the short end of the stick uh, when it comes to the type of effort that we're willing to put in. As parents, we're willing to really moderate ourselves. Yes, we twist ourselves into pretzels. Yes, I do a lot of self-work, of self-growth, of trying to master my rage, my tantrums, my insecurities, my frustrations. Yes, I absolutely change myself. Or my, you know, my most natural knee-jerk reactions to make myself a better parent to my children. And I'm not sitting here wondering if I'm compatible with my children. I'm not. You know why? Because it's completely immaterial. It's completely irrelevant information. My children are my children are my children full stop. And I have five of them. And am I more temperamentally aligned with some of them than with others? Do I have a better goodness of fit, as it's called, with some children than with others? Sure, you know. Do I have just more ease with some than with others? Yeah. Am I more compatible? Sure. Yeah. We're all different people, and with some of them, I have an easier time. We get on better, right? We just we have, as Mel Robbins said, similar needs, similar desires, similar depth, right? We we're, we 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 are a match of energy. Um but am I going to leave the other ones at the fire station? No, because they're my children and my commitment to them and my love for them overrides whether or not it happens to be a convenient and easy relationship or whether it needs to be a relationship that demands of me self-growth. That is the place for growth in a relationship is when you rise to the occasion and when you say well I need to make this work I need to show up as a good mother as a good wife as a good friend as a good daughter and so yes it demands of me to change myself to make other people like me quote unquote it's not about making other people like me but it's about making myself a you know the best version of myself the most patient tolerant co- cooperative communicative you know someone who is in a healthy relationship someone who is able to be loved and love someone in a way that is healthy and that creates compatibility between us. Someone who is able to strive towards existing and occurring together without conflict. It is bizarre to me that we are willing to look at our marriages as disposable. And I think it's time that we borrowed from the level of consistency and commitment that we bring to our parenting, where we say, well, this is for life. I'm going to love this child for richer or for poorer in sickness and in health till death do us part because they're my child and I take them as part of myself. They are part of myself. I intertwine myself, my soul with their soul. We are on some kind of cosmic soul level inseparable because of the love that binds us. And that love is not a love that I need to analyze or dissect or ask myself, is it or isn't it compatible What does that even mean? And why does it even matter? Whether it's a difficult relationship that demands a lot of attention and growth, whether it's a smooth and easy and, you know, smooth sailing relationship that just comes naturally. Either way, I'm showing up. Either way, I'm bringing my full self to this picture. Either way, I'm in it to win it for the long haul. And I will never leave you no matter what. (laughs) that is the type of commitment that a marriage demands. That is the type of commitment that actually creates compatibility in the long run. And guess what? That is also the type of commitment that creates chemistry. That is the type of commitment that I actually teach in my membership, the Desire Lab, and in my upcoming course, Married You, where you learn that this constant analysis, this constant checking and tallying of whether or not we're compatible, whether or not it was the right choice, you know, maybe that's suitable for the first few weeks or months of a relationship. By the time you've had kids together, it is no longer appropriate. You know, I would compare that a little bit to the ifing and, you know, wondering, should we have a child? Okay, so you you want to think about that. You want to plan it. You want to decide the right timing for it. But <laughs> Once the child is coming, the child is coming, right? Once you have a kid, there's pretty much no going back. And so that's the situation in which you need to put to one side questions of did I or didn't I want to become a mother and you move forward and you do the best you can with what you've got. And that is exactly the place for self-moderation, for self-editing, for self learning and maturing and growing. That is exactly the place for radical responsibility to what I am bringing to the table. So do you need to be with a, you know, a generally kind, good person? Yes, of course. You know, but at at some point we need to make a conscious decision to go all in. Compatibility is a byproduct of consistency, of commitment, of a willingness to grow yourself, a willingness to accept the other, to take them as part of yourself. It's a relentless loyalty and flexibility. We've come into a very narcissistic culture that is all about just self-love and acceptance, self-esteem, self-confidence, self-pleasure, and saying, well, if it's not easy and fun for me, then why do it? Well, there are many reasons to do it. There are many reasons to remain loyal, to build, to stay, to work, to try, to cooperate and accommodate and be flexible. So I say this as someone who teaches this to couples, who coaches couples, who teaches it in my courses and who's lived it. I want to tell you that although many people thought we were incompatible and although personality tested, we're incompatible. And although really, I think it's true, we're not very compatible on, you know, on paper or on the offset through intense, deliberate, intentional, committed, consistent investment over the years. I feel that we have created a soulmate status. That's something that you build. Like, yeah, do you need some chemistry at the beginning? Sure. But do you really mostly need an all-in attitude? Absolutely. Look, people sometimes have babies and they don't bond all that naturally or at all. People sometimes have children and they don't necessarily easily just, you know, lend their their personalities to the role of mother or father. It doesn't just, you know, maybe capture them in the same natural and easeful way as other people. That doesn't mean that we tell them to give up. That doesn't mean that we tell them, oh, never mind. It's not important. You just weren't compatible. It was just a mistake. That's not the attitude that we take, thank God, with our children. Although I feel like that might be coming down the pipeline too. That's downstream of this attitude. That is what is downstream of this attitude is the idea that, yeah, if you're just not a match energetically, then it means you're not compatible, and you need to move on. Your energy isn't matching. Your needs aren't matching. You're being in a place in your life where it's compatible with the other person. And that's, this is another thing I need to point out in what Mel says in a place in your life where you're compatible with the other person, as though our lives are some still picture that st- stands still and doesn't move forward. I mean, If you've been married for more than five minutes, then you know that relationships ebb and flow and people go through things in their life. I mean, imagine my partner's going through grieving as he has, and he's gone through a massive loss. Well, guess what? I might not be going through a massive loss. I might not have grieved, right? I might not be bereaved and in mourning. So our energy isn't matching, is it? Let's say I have some peak moment in my career You know, I just published a book. By the way, I just published a book. I hope you grabbed yours. It's back in stock on Amazon finally. So make sure to grab it. (laughs) Quick plug. But yeah, I just published a book. Well, my energy didn't match my partner who didn't just publish a book. What does that even mean? No, our energy doesn't always match. My child might be really nervous about a test they have to take or really sad about being teased or really elated about a new toy they're getting. Does my energy always match their energy? Do my needs always match their needs? No, this is like the complete antithesis to what it takes to be in real relationships with people where we're all actually different and we're all actually individuals and we all actually go through things at different paces in our lives. And a little bit of patience is actually a requirement to making these relationships work. You do actually have to realize and respect the fact that you're two separate beings who have decided to muddle through life together and to love each other despite your differences and even because of them. Thank God my husband isn't just a clone of me. Thank God he doesn't have the same energy matching as me all the time. Imagine that he did. How would we lift each other up? How would we support each other? How would we be there for each other to inspire each other and to lean on each other in tough times if we were always just matchy-matchy, the same, same, same? What is this? What is this advice? What does it even mean? Your energy matching. What does that mean that you always have to wake up in the same mood? That you have to have the exact same life goals? Even that, I mean, (laughs) you know, you have to decide that you want to make it work. You have to decide that your relationship comes above all else and you're going to stay committed just like you would as a parent. You have to decide that, You are going to find a way to build a life that entails both of your dreams, wants, desires and passions at some point or another, even if not at the exact same time. You have to negotiate and be willing to talk about where the compromises are, where the overlaps are. Yeah, there's a lot of negotiation and compromise and conversation that goes into it. But I have to tell you, as someone who feels that I've been through a huge portion of that, many years of that, that it is so worth it. That I think there is a meaning to be found in a life lived together that is not found in a life where you're stubbornly holding out for the perfect compatibility that may or may not ever come. I think the type of love that you experience through the surrender to the otherness, right? Think about parenting. We surrender to otherness. We say, I'm here. I am here to serve you on some deep level. I'm here to love you. I'm here to love you as a separate being from me who I have taken in as part of myself. That chemistry, that chemical bond, that deep bonding together, that is something that is very important. But, <laughs> but the compatibility is the piece that you create. It's the piece that you choose. It's the piece where, yes, you do exercise flexibility in your own self. So for me, this advice is exactly the type of thing we need to help our children to highlight and notice. You know, sometimes when I hear advice like this, like even the first time I heard this video from Mel Robbins, I said to myself, oh, oh my gosh, she's right. Oh yeah, we're not very compatible. Oh no. Right. That was my immediate knee jerk subconscious reaction. And then I suddenly realized, wait, what? We're happily married deeply in love in a romantic relationship and in life partnership and raising our children together and building our life together. If that's not compatible, tell me what is. That we don't align on the same temperament tests. And I want to tell you, I'll take it one step further to say that with the self-reflection and growth and work that each one of us has done we are actually much more aligned and compatible than we ever were to begin with because we've taken those steps towards each other. So yes, we are more aligned religiously, politically, temperamentally, and certainly in our lifestyle dreams, wants, and desires. Look, you're not trying to find your clone, but you are trying to find someone or to be with someone that you are building a life alongside, that you are partners with. And so, you know, having complementary personalities, having things that are actually different, where you bring different things to the table, having some conflict that is completely inevitable in every single relationship, including the parent-child relationship. That doesn't mean we just say, oh, you know what? We're not compatible anymore. We don't say this in any other relationship. You say, oh, my elderly parents and I just don't have matching energy anymore. So I guess we're not compatible. No, you don't say that. Because it's quite jerky, if you think about it. It's quite an awful way of measuring people. Instead of really leaning deep into love, deep into unconditionality, acceptance, commitment, loyalty, love. I don't know, love, love. That is the best definition I have for it. A willingness to put ease and pleasure to one side for a moment and build something lasting and satisfying and real, just like we have to do as parents. I mean, yeah, we put up with frustrations with our children. We put up with difficulties. We put up with a lot of incompatibility. I'm not compatible with my baby when they wake me up in the middle of the night. No, I would like to sleep. We have an incompatible, incompatibility. We have unmatching energies. We are not able to exist together without conflict. (laughs) We have conflicting needs. Our needs don't match. But guess what? I put my needs to one side. I compromise. I negotiate. I figure it out. We work on it together. And we live harmoniously because we love each other and we're committed to each other. And I'm going to raise my baby, even if it means giving and generosity and self-reflection and some sacrifice. God forbid. Yeah, some sacrifice. Yes. Yes, I said it. I know that's a, that's a terrible word to use in the modern age, but that is what it does take. So if you are listening to this, I want to reinforce your commitment. Reinforce the idea that compatibility is something that you build, that you create. You don't just find your soulmate. You become soulmates to each other. You choose to be a soulmate. You choose to show up as a soulmate. You don't just find someone you're compatible with you become compatible with each other. You make yourself compatible, right? And yes, both of you do it, but you don't necessarily both do it at the same time. I don't believe that it takes two to tango. I believe that you can can come into the relationship with the right mindset, which is the opposite of this mindset that is being touted from every podium out there. And you will then reap the fruits of your labor right sow the right seeds and you'll build the right tree the seeds need to be seeds of generosity of love of acceptance of flexibility of compromise of negotiation of giving seeds of con- commitment consistency relentless a desire and passion and a protection of something so i'll end there and i'll just say that chemistry is absolutely something that you need to work at actively But it is the seed in the beginning of a relationship. And it is something that you can then build and maintain and grow. And there's a good reason that people are looking for chemistry in their relationship. Because it's kind of that glue, right? That joyous reward that you get only from your significant other, right? That's that sexy, intimate connection that you only find with your spouse. That's what differentiates this relationship from any other relationship. And that is something too that can be deliberately cultivated and worked on. I don't think any of us need to settle for just humdrum, gray, vanilla, boring, frustration, irritation, unsatisfying. I absolutely believe in taking radical responsibility and choosing to grow inside the relationship with your spouse. But that's not to be confused with the bromance myth where, oh, we're not growing anymore, so we... You know, fall apart. No, growth is a choice. You show up and grow through the conflict, through the commitment, through staying, through building, through loving each other, through coming back and coming back again and figuring it out and muddling it through. And I have all the tools and uh, teachings that can help you do that inside Married You in the Desire Lab. So keep your eyes peeled for those. I hope you found this helpful and I look forward. To meeting you here same time same place in a couple of weeks and meanwhile if you found this episode helpful please make sure to share it with your friends keep on living that high fam
1: life i'll see you next time